Hello, ladies. Hello and welcome, welcome. I'm so happy you're able to be a part of this opening day of Women in the Word Bible Study Fall 2020. I'm Deb Haygood and I am glad that we can study God's Word together. So I wanna say um, welcome to those of you that are online and welcome to the few smiling faces in the room with me today. I'm praying for that day that we can all be back in the room together, smiling and looking at each other's beautiful faces. But until then, I'm grateful for this technological opportunity to study God's Word together. There's a lot of people that have been working really, really hard to make this Bible study happen this semester during this kind of wild and crazy time. Now, the first day of Women in the Word is always a little bit chaotic, a little bit of a whirlwind. Um, this year probably is no different, and it's especially crazy if this is your very first time ever to be at Women in the Word. So if that's you out there, I want to say a special welcome to you for joining us at Women in the Word. You know, there's a lot that's changing, but there are quite a few things that are staying the same this semester. And the main thing is God's Word is the same. God's Word is not changing. Another thing is we're gonna be providing three pages of study questions for you, just like we always do. And those questions are for your benefit to help you go deeply into God's Word. I hope they are interesting and exciting and challenging for you. We also are gonna have a teacher up here every week giving you some more insights and uh, more in-depth thoughts to the scriptures. And this semester, we have teaching Amy Foster, Lynn Kitchens, Shelley Davis, Misty Denman, and Vanita Jones. And that last thing that I think never changes on opening day, and that is all the varied emotions that everyone is feeling. There's joy and there's excitement. We're meeting new people and we're studying God's word. And that can also cause some anxiety, meeting new people and studying God's word. And some of you may be out there feeling a little confused or frustrated or maybe kind of overwhelmed. I know I'm feeling some of those things. And what about exhaustion? I'm a bit tired. And there may be even one or two of you that are on the edge of hopelessness. And if that is you, please don't drop out. Please don't give up on the Bible study. Talk to your small group leader and we can get you in touch with somebody in leadership at the campus you're at. Don't give up on Bible study. You need Bible study. We all need to study God's word. And I think in the midst of difficult and scary times, God's word becomes even a little more precious to us. This semester, we're studying the book of Joshua, and this book is gonna be a steady, sturdy rock for each of us. We're gonna find ourselves grounded as we study the book of Joshua. We're gonna learn God's promises. We are going to experience God's presence. And as this semester goes on, we're gonna find ourselves stronger and more courageous as we study God's word because his word, it's living and active and powerful and it changes us to be more like Jesus. Now, I usually have an opening day story about one of my grandkids going back to school and I have one this year as well. They all started school online just as we are doing today. So it's appropriate. So my youngest granddaughter, Harper, she is in the first grade and she is very expressive. So she said to me one day, Grammy, this is going to be the worst school year ever, but I have the best backpack ever. And I said, you know, it's those little things. So I said, well, Harper, tell me about your backpack. And she said, it has butterflies all over it and it lights up. 
And I said, lights up, how does that work? And she goes, I don't know, but it does. And I started laughing and I thought, hey, that's kind of just like us. You know, we're all seeing each other and online and I don't know how this works, but it does. So here we are at Bible study. Let's turn to Joshua chapter one. Now Joshua is the sixth book in the Old Testament. It comes after those first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's called the Pentateuch. That's the law. Those are the foundational books. It's the beginning of God's great love story for humankind. And then after those five books, we have 12 books, the history books. And Joshua is the first one of those history books. And then listen to this. After that, five books of wisdom, right in the middle of the Old Testament. Five books of wisdom, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And then hold on, after that, the rest of the Old Testament is prophecy. First five books of prophecy, the major prophets. Last 12 books, the minor prophets. So do you see that? We have five, 12, five, five, 12. Okay, so that doesn't really have much to do with Joshua, but I think it's pretty cool when I see those things in scripture. I love it when we see how God's word, God's story goes all through the Bible, Old Testament into the New Testament, his story of love and salvation. And so I want to read a quote of that Charles Spurgeon said, he kind of thinks this same thing. You know, we are in God's story, this story of love and salvation for you and for me. We're in this God story. And Charles Spurgeon thinks the same thing. This great theologian says, the Bible to many is a dull book, as dry as an old will. But when you hear your name read out in a will, you prick up your ears. What if there should be something in the testament of our Lord Jesus for you? When I found my own name there, my heart danced for joy. It was in these lines, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Get your legacy at once. You know, Joshua is about the legacy, the inheritance of the Israelites, and we have a spiritual inheritance as well. And so look for yourself in the book of Joshua. Look for your name. I have a personal story. Uh, it happened many years ago. I was a freshman at uh, college. I was very lonely. I didn't know anybody in the whole state of Texas. And so I was very homesick. And one day I was calling out to God and I was reading through the Psalms. And I came to this Psalm 56. I have it on your extra verse sheet. It says, this I know that God is for me. God is for me. And it was as if God was saying, Deb, I am for you. I saw my name in God's word in that Psalm and it made all the difference. My loneliness lifted. I felt this peace come over me and I've never forgot it all these years. So look for yourself in this book of Joshua that we're gonna be studying. Okay, so let's uh, start reading those first three verses in Joshua chapter one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. So in these first three verses, we learn a great deal about the book of Joshua. Um, we see when it takes place right after the death of Moses. We see where it takes place. They are on the banks of the Jordan River. When it says Jordan there, that's referring to the Jordan 
River. And then we also see the purpose of Joshua. What is this book about? <clears throat> and we see that in verses two and three, where it says, Joshua, go over this Jordan and take all the Israelites with you into this land that I have promised. So that is what the book of Joshua is about. We are gonna see it's about the possession of the land, this good land that God promised to Abraham and his descendants, the Israelites. And it's gonna happen through the leadership of Joshua. God is faithful and he is a promise keeper. God is faithful today and he keeps his promises to us today. So let's look at this promise that God is going to fulfill to the Israelites. And we first see it in Genesis 12, verses one through three. So let me <clears throat> give a little background there. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the beginning of Genesis, God creates all things, the heavens and the earth and land and Adam and Eve. And then there's evil entering in and everything gets uh, really wicked, really fast. And so God sends rain and there is a flood and he starts over again with Noah and Noah's three sons and their family. And one of those sons is Shem. And from the line of Shem comes Abraham, or he's called Abram in the beginning. And so at the beginning of chapter 12, and I have this on your verse sheet, God gives this threefold promise to Abraham. And he says, the Lord says to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And this land, this is Canaan. This is the land that we're gonna be talking about this semester. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great <clears throat> so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. <clears throat> Excuse me. So this blessing here that we see at the very end, all the families being blessed, that is a reference to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, God the Son, comes to earth and he is fully man, fully God. He is born of Mary. Mary is from the line of David. David is from the tribe of Judah. Judah is Jacob's fourth son. Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. So we see Jesus coming from the line of Abraham and Jesus is the blessing to all the families of the earth because Jesus is the savior for the world. We also see there the third part of that promise, a great nation. That means many descendants. And when God gave Abraham this blessing, Abraham and Sarah had zero children. They had no children, but God gave them Isaac. Isaac had Jacob and Jacob, as we just said, had 12 sons. And those 12 sons and their families, they would become the nation of Israel. They would be called the Israelites. So as, Genesis, Gen, as the book of Genesis progresses, we see that there is a famine in the land. Jacob gathers up his sons and their families. There's 70 of them. They go to Egypt to get food. And there they begin to grow and multiply and get larger until the pharaohs get nervous and they enslave them. And after 400 years, we have maybe two to four million Israelites in Egypt. And the Israelites, this is where Exodus opens up and they're calling out to God saying, deliver us, rescue us, save us from this oppression. And God says, I will. And he sends Moses, who is an Israelite, he's from the tribe of Levi. He says, take my people out of Egypt. And so, Moses goes to Pharaoh and we know the story. Pharaoh says, no way. And so 
God sends the 10 plagues and that 10th plague is the death of the firstborn of every household who does not have the blood of the slain lamb over the doorposts. That by the way is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ when he would die on the cross and his blood would save us. So Pharaoh's firstborn son dies, Pharaoh's grief stricken and he says to Moses, go take God's people and go. And so Moses does and they go till they get to Mount Sinai. And there, I just have to say, two important things happen at Mount Sinai. We have God giving Moses the law, those statutes, those good laws for the people of Israel, the 10 commandments. And then we also have God giving Moses the blueprint for the tabernacle. Now the tabernacle is the place where God would dwell because God says, I want to dwell in the midst of my people. I wanna dwell with you. God always wants to be in relationship with you. He's, it's been like that from the beginning when he walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. And now he wants to be in the midst of the Israelites. And he wants to have a personal, individual relationship with you today. So they do these things, they build the tabernacle, and now they're ready to go on to Canaan, to the promised land. And so the Israelites move out, Moses is leading them there, and when they get to the edge of it, he sends out 12 spies. They go through the land, they come back, 10 of them say, wow, it's a great land full of milk and honey, but the people are giants. They will kill us, we cannot overtake them. Two spies say, that's all true, but with God on our side, yes, we can we can take the land. So the people say, no, no, don't send us in, we'll die. So God says, okay, then all of you 20 years and older, wander around in this desert wilderness for 40 years until you have died off and your children will go into the promised land. Those that are 19 years and younger and all that are born during those 40 years, they will enter the promised land along with the two spies that had faith in me. Those two spies that had trusted God, that was Caleb and the second one, Joshua. Joshua, the one who we're gonna study and read about who wrote this book. Joshua was one of the two spies that trusted God. And so these wanderings, that takes place in the book of Numbers and we see there God is teaching them many lessons. He's training them to live as free people under God's guidance and blessing. Many things happen until they come to the edge of the Jordan River. And so that's where the book of Numbers ends. And that's where our book of Joshua opens up. But in between Numbers and Joshua is the book of Deuteronomy. So what is that about? Well, those are the last words of Moses to the uh, Israelites. And he has a lot of last words because there's 34 chapters. But I, I wanna sum it up with just two words, remember and obey. Moses tells them, remember God, remember who he is, remember how he loves you, how he provided for you and protected you and fought for you. Remember God and obey him. Keep his statutes and keep his laws. They are good, they're for your benefit and teach your children about God so that they will remember God and so that they too will obey God. These are good laws that you are to obey. And Moses says this, I wanna read Deuteronomy 10 on your verse sheet because he says it very well. He says, 
And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. The laws were good. They were for their benefit. They were not burdensome. And then at the end of Deuteronomy, we see God telling Moses to get Joshua and come. God's going to commission him. And we see that in Deuteronomy 31 on your verse sheet. The Lord said to Moses, behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tent of meeting that I may commission him. And the Lord commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun. This is verse 23. And he says, be strong and courageous for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be with you. So God commissions Joshua and we see the book of Joshua opening up. Moses has died. And now Joshua will be the leader of these people. Who is Joshua? Well, we know that he was Moses' assistant for 40 years. We just read that. We also know he was one of the 12 spies, one of the two that trusted God. We also know that he went partway up the mountain when Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments. I think Joshua must have watched Moses closely. He must have seen Moses praying to God. He knew Moses is a friend of God. He saw him listening to God and obeying God. Joshua watched as Moses handled the difficulties that arose among the Israelites. And there were many over those 40 years. Joshua saw the faith of Moses firsthand. And I think that must have strengthened Joshua's faith. When we're under the leadership of a godly person and they have strong faith in the Lord, their faith inspires us. Their faith strengthens our faith. And I think Joshua watching Moses strengthened his faith and also the name of Joshua means the Lord saves. And this is interesting. That is a Hebrew name, Joshua. And the Greek version of Joshua is Jesus. And Jesus, that name means the Lord saves. So this is Joshua. Now Moses has died. And so God is speaking to Joshua. He is going to give Joshua his plan for him, what he's to do. And we see step one, that's in those verses two and three, when he tells Joshua, cross over the Jordan River and take all the Israelites with you. Go in, enter this good land, Joshua, this land that I have promised the Israelites. Now, I have used that uh, phrase, the good land, because we see it all through the beginning books of the Old Testament. And I have one of those places in Deuteronomy. It's in verse chapter 8, verse 7, and verse 10. So for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. And verse 10 says, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. So step one, enter in to this good land that God is giving you. Step two, and we're gonna see that in verse five. So let's look at verse five. By the way, verse four, I'm not gonna read it. That gives the boundaries for this promised land for Canaan. And we have a map provided for you in your notebooks uh, right there. So later on, you might wanna take a look at that. So let's look at verse five. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. 
So when he says there, no man shall be able to stand before you, he is saying that I am going to give you victory over your enemy. So go in Joshua with the Israelites and take possession of the land. Conquer those in the land and take possession of it. So let's talk for a moment about this conquering. There are some hard parts in the book of Joshua, some difficult sections. They were difficult for me, they will be hard for you. So I wanted to give you a little background to the people that were living in Canaan, the Canaanites. Some of them were exceedingly wicked, very wicked. Their culture was grossly immoral and inhumane. Their religious practices um, used um, taking uh, advantage or using uh, young virgins, boys and girls. It also, they used human sacrifice in their religious practices, child sacrifice, all kinds of sexual perversion. They were evil. And they did not believe in the Lord God Almighty. They did not follow him. In fact, on the contrary, they stood against him. They were opposed to him. Now you may say, well, Deb, how do you know that they even knew about God? They did know about God. There are passages in scripture that tell us that. They've been watching these Israelites out there wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and they've seen their God powerful and mighty. They've seen God protecting them and providing for them. They knew about God. And there's a great example we're gonna study next week in chapter two. They knew God, but they decided they were not going to follow him. They were against him. At any time, they could have said, God, we worship you. We want to follow you and obey you. And God would have taken them in and they would have become part of God's children. That was God's plan for everyone to see the Israelites and how he was caring for them. And all would come to follow and worship God. But they did not. And so now their time of grace is over. Now that time of grace is determined by God and God alone. We can't say your time of grace is over. Only God determines when that time of grace is over. And now it is over for these Canaanites and God will use the Israelites as his instrument of judgment. God is holy, God is just, God is love. And we see this um, emphasized very much in the book of Joshua, God is love. God loves his people. He did not want the Israelites to get taken up with this evil practices of the Canaanites. In fact, I read this one quote that said, the reason God wages war against sin and sinners is that he loves people and wants to save them from the destruction resulting from sin and its consequences. We're gonna see God's love in the book of Joshua emphasized greatly alongside God's hatred of sin. Okay, so God's told him step one, enter the land. We've told him step two, God's told him step two is to take possession of the land. Step three, let's look at verse six. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. So I love what the, this is saying here. Step three is divide up the land. And the new King James says, divide up this inheritance among the Israelites. And I love the way that says that. They're gonna divide up this land so that each of the 12 tribes and all the clans and all the people in each tribe will receive a portion of this good land. It will be divided up among them. They will have their own land. It is their inheritance. And we will be talking about this throughout this study. 
This is their inheritance. This is God's promise fulfilled for them. You know, we too have a spiritual inheritance as believers in Jesus, and we're going to talk about that um, throughout the study. We have promises from God in our spiritual inheritance, and we're going to see one of those today. But if you want to jump ahead, you can look at Ephesians chapter 1. That tells you a lot about your spiritual inheritance. Okay, so now we've seen um, steps one, two, and three, and here's a simple outline for the book of Joshua. Steps one and two, entering the land and taking possession of the land, those are chapters two through 12. Two through 12, entering the land, possessing the land. And then step three, dividing up the land, those are chapters 13 through 22. And then the last two chapters, 23 and 24, these are Joshua's final reminders to the Israelites. And it's a great way to end this book of Joshua because these are beautiful words, beautiful reminders for us today as well. So that's the simple outline. So let's go on and see um, God's plan for Joshua. We've seen God's plan for Joshua with instruction. Now we're going to see that God encourages Joshua, part of his plan. And we've seen a couple times already that he has said, be strong and courageous. He's going to repeat that phrase three times. And you might have wondered, as I did, why is he repeating it three times? Well, it's possible that Joshua was a little nervous. I think I would be if I was taking two million people into this land and trying to conquer it. And he's taken over leadership from Moses. He's following Moses as a leader. I'd be a little bit intimidated too. So God tells him to be strong and courageous. We understand those words today. We use strong a lot. We say that is strong work. Those are strong words. Kind of has that idea of muscle behind it, power behind it. And then courage... It's defined as the state or quality of mind and spirit that enables a person to be steadfast in meeting a challenge with confidence and resolution. Resolution sounds to me like commitment is involved. And we're going to see Joshua very committed to God. And we're also going to see in this challenge that Joshua has great confidence in God. He knows that God is dependable. He's seen God's power and might firsthand. He knows God is faithful and trustworthy because God is a promise keeper. He has great confidence in him. And I love that God doesn't just say, be strong and courageous. You know, I kind of go around giving those little do this and be that. But God gives him the key to success. He tells him how to be strong and courageous. Let's look at that. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." So the key to success for Joshua, God tells him it's his word. God's word is the key to success. That's what it means here to follow the law. That is God's word. And he says to him, know it, know it. And it's, we have good reason to believe that those first five books of the Bible were written down at this point. Moses wrote them that they might have been in the care of the priests. 
Maybe they took them out and read them. Maybe they'd been reading them. Maybe they had memorized some of it. The people were handing down these verses through oral tradition, generation to generation. So God says to Joshua, know the word, study it. That's what we're doing here today, studying it. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Don't get off the path and into the weeds. Know my word. And then second, he says, talk about it. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Maybe you want to memorize it and say it out loud. Talk about God's word. I had a friend um, a couple weeks ago, she texted me and said, Deb, what do you think about this verse? How are, how are we supposed to do this? Is this right? And so I thought about it a lot and I looked up some other verses and sent them on and said, I don't know, does this explain it? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about God's word. Talk about it with others. And then the third thing here, meditate on it. Meditate day and night. Meditate means to ponder. I love that word, ponder. Meditate on God's word. Um, carefully consider it. Think about it deeply and thoughtfully. And that takes time. And that's why he says day and night. It takes time to meditate on God's word. Take a scripture verse or a scripture passage and meditate on it. Think about it. Let God speak to you through his word. I want to just say that I'm not talking about Eastern meditation where you empty your mind. I'm talking about meditation where you fill your mind with God's word and you ponder it and you think on it. And then the fourth thing uh, he tells Joshua to do with his word, that is obey it, do it, all of it, completely. And if I am to be honest with you, when um, I love to... Uh, study it. I love to talk about it. I love to meditate on it and ponder it, but do it all completely. That's where I get in trouble. I like to obey some of it, but if I'm honest, there's some that is not so easy to obey. For instance, those verses in Proverbs that tells me how to speak. I'm to speak gently. I'm not to... Um, be grumbling and complaining. I am to speak words that lift people up, not tear them down. And what about that great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind? I, I like that commandment. I try to do it. I want to obey it. But what about the second part? Love your neighbor as yourself. Which neighbor? All my neighbors? You mean all people I'm to love as God loves? That's not so easy for me to obey. But God says, hey, Deb, you can't just say, that's hard, not gonna do it, not gonna obey it. No, we can't just pick and choose. God says, obey my word, all of it, completely. And what happens is God's word will make us prosperous and have good success. It makes our way prosperous and have good success. So what do those words mean? I've been um, thinking about those a lot. And so I looked up the Hebrew word in the concordance to see what does success mean? What does that Hebrew word mean? And I found that it means to occupy, to seize, to take possession of. And I thought, wow, that is exactly what God told Joshua to do, to occupy the land, to take possession of it. And I begin to think, is success maybe when God's plan for us works out in our lives? When we're doing what God would have us to do, that is success. 
And then this way is prosperous. I looked up that word prosperous and it has the words um, along with it as intelligent, skillful, teaching others to understand wisdom. And I thought, you know, that really is kind of speaking to living life wisely. Living life skillfully is maybe having our way be prosperous. And then let's go on, uh, look at verse 9, and we're going to see one more encouragement that God uh, gives to Joshua. Let's look at verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wow, God encourages Joshua with the promise of his presence. And it's really a reminder because God has already said this to Joshua back up in verse five. He says, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. And now he says, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, if you look at that word Lord there, you see that it's in all capital letters. And we're gonna see Lord written like that throughout Joshua in all capital letters. When it's written like that, that is the Hebrew word Yahweh. That is the personal covenant name of God that the Israelites used, they'd called God Yahweh. And so God, Yahweh is saying to Joshua, I will be with you wherever you go. What a great encouragement that must have been for Joshua that God would be present with him. God is still a promise keeper today and he promises to be with us today. On your verse sheet, I have some verses in the New Testament. Matthew 1, they're talking about Jesus. It says, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. One of the names of Jesus is God with us. And then at the end of Matthew, when Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, it's after his death and resurrection, Jesus says these final words, Matthew 28, 20, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God's presence is with us. He is with us. A few weeks ago, Jonathan Murphy um, was talking about 1 Peter 4, and he talked about that verse 14 where the um, Spirit of God is upon us. And I, I remembered this line. I wrote it down that he said, when God is silent, God is not absent. Silence is not absence. And I thought that is so great because sometimes we don't hear God. We, we feel like he's silent and we think he's not there. So we can know God is present with us. Silence is not absence. As believers in Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, God's presence with you. That's God's promise to us. So let's go on and see how Joshua responds to God's plan. What does he do? Let's look at verse 10. <clears throat> And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, and he says, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days, you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. So what is Joshua's response to what God tells him? He gets to work right away. He gathers up the leaders and he says, all right, go through the camp. Prepare everybody, say, get ready, pack up your tents and get your stuff. We're going across the Jordan River in three days. And then he also gives them this encouragement from God. He encourages it with God's promise. He says, we are going to take possession of the land that the Lord God is giving us. He's fulfilling his promise. We will possess this good land. 
And then in verse 12, he's going to do one more thing. He's going to remind certain tribes of the words of Moses. And so let me give you a little backstory here, and then we will read it. This takes place in the book of Numbers. Moses was leading the Israelites. It's towards the end of the 40 years, and they are going towards the Jordan River. And so they have to pass through the land of the Amorites. And so Moses sends a message to King Sihon, and he says, um, hey, let us pass through. We won't drink your water. We won't eat your food. Let us just pass through. But King Sihon says no. He gathers up his fighting men and they go out to fight against the Israelites. And God gives the Israelites victory over King Sihon. And so now they win this land. They continue on. And the next thing you know, we have Og, king of Bashan. He comes out with his fighting men and he's gonna fight the Israelites. Same thing, God gives the Israelites victory, and now they also have this land. So some of the tribes, Reuben, Gad, and half the, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh say, hey, let us settle in this land because it's fertile and there's lots of grass and we have cattle. Let us settle down here. And so Moses says, okay, but you have to vow before the Lord that you will send your fighting men in to help the other tribes as they cross the Jordan and possess the um, Canaan. And so they say, we will, we will, we will make that vow. And so Moses gathers Joshua and Eleazar, the high priest, and they make this vow before God in front of them that they will send their fighting men to help the other tribes fight. So now Joshua, who heard them make this vow, is reminding them of Moses's words. And he says in verse 13, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor, those warriors, fighting men, among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. So the sunrise, that's on the east. So this is the east side of the Jordan River. This is the land of those two and a half tribes. And Joshua reminds them, come and help us fight. And then I also want you to look at that word rest there. We're going to be talking about that. Rest is a major theme. It's interesting to think of God giving us rest. I think we see a great example for leaders in the way that Joshua leads these people. Do you see what he did first? He gave clear instruction. Give clear instruction. Second, give encouragement. He encourages them with God's word. And then third, give reminders. Remind them of important points that you don't want them to forget. This is a good example for us as leaders in any situation to follow, whether you're in the workplace, at church, and in business, out in the community, in your home, with your children. These three things, give clear instruction, give encouragement, and remind them of the important points. So let's go on and see how the leaders respond. Verse 16, and they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. 
Wow, this is kind of total commitment to obey Joshua. They say, we're gonna go where you tell us to go. We're gonna do what you tell us to do. This is total commitment to him. And I love this because, you know, the Israelites really are kind of, we see throughout the Old Testament, they're kind of stiff-necked, they're kind of stubborn. Um, they don't always obey. And yet in the book of Joshua, this is the Israelites' shining moment. One of the reasons I love Joshua, because for the most part, they do obey God. They do follow Joshua. One or two little slip-ups here, but this is the Israelites' best moment. And also, do you see that these leaders encourage Joshua? They say, may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. That is huge because they know Moses, the friend of God, Moses had God's ear. What an encouragement for them to say, may God be with you like he was with Moses. I also think it's a good encouragement for us to give others today to tell someone, may God be with you. You're reminding them of God's presence with you. And then in verse 18, let's read this last verse. It says, whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. You know, this last verse, it kind of reminds me of the mom that says to her child, what do you think should be the penalty for your wrongdoing? And they come back with something that's much harsher than you would have uh, thought of. You know, that's kind of what they're saying here. We're going to obey you, Joshua. And if we don't, death is the penalty. And I want you to kind of mark that and remember it because this is going to come to play in a few weeks with chapters seven and eight. And then they encourage Joshua once again with these words, only be strong and courageous. So what is our response to this first chapter of Joshua? How are we going to respond? I think one response could be to in these difficult and scary times, remember God is faithful and he is present. He's faithful and he's present with us. Walk with him closely. When you get up in the morning, talk to God throughout your day. Say, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to be with you in these crazy times with all that's going on. I want to be next to you, Lord, walking with you. Another response could be to encourage others with examples of God's faithful love and constant presence. Encourage others with that. Tell them stories of your life, how God has loved you, how he's been faithful. Point out God's presence in their life. You know, in these days when things seem upside down, we need that encouragement. Encourage others. And did you notice in this first chapter, everyone is encouraging, God's encouraging Joshua, Joshua's encouraging the leaders, the leaders are encouraging Joshua. Encouragement is so important. And I think it's so important for us today in the world we live in. And then third thing here, know and follow God's word in order to know God better. That's how we know God's better, by looking at his word, reading and studying his word. We know God better. And verse eight told us we experience success. And remember, success is doing what God has planned for you to do. So know and follow God's word. I hope that you continue to come to the study of Joshua next week and all the weeks following and that you will be blessed by it. And I wanna end with this encouragement. It's from this first chapter. 
we read, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a good God and you keep your promises and you are with us. And Father, how grateful we are for your presence. Father, to know that, what an encouragement that is. Lord, I thank you for all the ladies that are tuning in, all the ladies that are watching and attending small groups and studying this book of Joshua. And I pray, Lord, that you would open up these words, that we would see ourselves in this book of Joshua, that we would be blessed and that we would come to know you more, that we would encourage others, that we would love you dearly and love others more. Father, ground us in this book of Joshua. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.